Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and this week's episode is absolutely stellar as I had the chance to talk with John Sanders, church planter and lead pastor of the Rescue Church in South Dakota. John is also the founder of the Small Town Big Church Network and hosts the Small Town Big Church Podcast, both of which focus on creating community and providing inspiration for pastors and ministry leaders in small and rural towns. So on this week's episode, John and I discuss the power of rural church ministry, including how his rural church in their small town of only 2,300 has embraced ministry multiplication, have established multiple campuses, including a campus in another country, and even planted a church in a neighboring town. John shares how to overcome a small church mindset and the value of being creative with your resources. And I am sure that you'll be inspired regardless of the context of your ministry. So let's dive right into my conversation with John Sanders. John, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm excited to have you with us and look forward to uh, today's conversation. Thanks for taking the time. Man, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Now, John, you pastor, in fact, I'm not even going to share your context. I'm going to let you share your context. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit about where you pastor and and kind of the context of what ministry is for you? Because that's really what we kind of want to use as a jumping point to jump into our conversation today. Yeah, my Twitter handle is at Rural Pastor, and that's exactly uh, where and what I am. We are in rural South Dakota, and really that's kind of an uh, unnecessary qualifier, because when you say South Dakota, it's pretty much rural, right? (laughs) So we're in a small town uh, called Flandreau, South Dakota, and uh, it's about 2,300 people, and we have a multi-site church called the Rescue Church that has really a vision to reach, you know, many rural communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's really our focus is the small town rural setting. Awesome. Now, how long have you um, been there, John? 14 years, going on 15. Awesome. Very cool. Now, you say that um, you have a multi-site church. And I imagine a lot of people are thinking a town 2300, you know, rural town. Um, that's a big vision to go multi-site, you know. So what does multi-site look like? What does that model look like for you and and your team as you're doing ministry? Yeah. Well, here's what I can tell you, stepping back just a little bit. When uh, I got called into ministry, and it really was a calling, uh, I ran from it, and, and, and God outran me, you know. So I knew he wanted me in ministry. At the time, years ago, I was working as a career firefighter in Peoria, Illinois, And when I surrendered to ministry, um, my next question was like, okay, God, I'll go into pastoral ministry. Where do you want me? And it's a long story, you know, how he connected me to this little town of South, you know, Flandreau, South Dakota. But when he showed me South Dakota, I thought, you got to be kidding me. Like rural, small town, South Dakota there. Are you serious? But we we obeyed and uh, we moved here in 2004. And all I knew coming here was that God was calling us to plant a church, right? And so Uh, I didn't come here with any intention of a multi-site church. I didn't even know what multi-site was. I didn't even know it was a thing when we got started back in 2004. Um, But here's kind of the the story is that God did so much more in a short period of time. I mean, I thought it was going to take a lifetime to accomplish the goals that I had set. 
And within about five years, we were, you know, established and self-supporting and we'd even moved into a semi, you know, permanent building and all of this stuff. I thought we were just never going to be able to accomplish. And, and yet God did it. And so what led us to multi-site was a season of kind of prayer and fasting where I was asking God, you know, what does the next stage look like? And um, after probably four or five months of praying like that and just asking God to show me, you know, where are we going from here? I was on vacation with my family back in 2009. And here's kind of how I describe it. it you know, uh, middle of the night, I'm, I'm wide awake, can't sleep, and just very clearly sensed God put a few little pictures in my mind of where we were going as a church. And, and I kind of walked away from that that moment with this summary of God was saying, through the use of technology, I want to multiply this church into other rural communities. And um, so again, not at this time, even still in 2009, did not know what multi-site was, did not know it was a thing. I just knew I had way more questions than answers coming away from that. Like, man, how are we going to do this? And what does that even look like? And so we, we became students of multi-site. A few weeks later, I picked up a book called A Multi-Site Church Road Trip, and I started to read about this you know, strategy or tool that churches were using. And I was like, this is it. You know, This is kind of what God was showing me. And so since 2009, we've been on a journey to plant campuses of our church. But to get kind of come full circle to your question, what does it look like in a rural context? It does not look like it looks like in a large urban context. Um, we've learned a ton from our big brothers. You know, that's kind of how I refer to our, my, my pastor friends that lead the mega churches. I don't, I don't despise them. I'm proud of what they're doing and we have learned a ton from them. But what I've also learned is that, that you can't look at what they're doing and then try to replicate that in a rural community. You have to kind of take some of the principles and then apply it to your context. And so I'll give you one metaphor and then hopefully this answers the question. Here's kind of the metaphor that I use when I, I describe this to people. I reach back in history to the American Revolutionary War and kind of hold up the, you, you have this well-funded British army, you know, in uniform, rank and file, lots of structure. And they came up against this group of ragtag Minutemen, you know, militia taking pot shots from behind the rocks. and Using those two comparisons, I can tell you we're not the well-funded army. We're the, we're the ragtag bunch of Minutemen just getting it done with the resources that we have to get it done with in the smaller setting. So I know that that probably doesn't give a lot of answers to what it looks like, but that's kind of uh, what I feel like a lot of days. Yeah, no, that's awesome, John. And I appreciate that. As you're talking, one of the things that really stuck out and, and what I love about your journey is that – um, I think many many pastors who find themselves in a rural church, and they're praying and thinking about that next step. You know, you talked about you know you're you're kind of seeking God. Hey, what's next? A, a lot of them, that next step in their mind looks something like a bigger church in a bigger town, right? Yeah. Um, yet, absolutely. Yet the vision that God gave you is much different from that. So, can you kind of talk us through maybe some words of encouragement to pastors who are sitting there who've been doing like like you were doing for several years, ministering in a rural church and kind of have these visions of, yeah, once I do my time here, you know, then mm-hmm. I'll get up into, you know, a bigger church, into a, a bigger town with more people. Can, can you kind of walk us through kind of how you process through that and maybe encouragement to other pastors who might find themselves in the same place? 
Absolutely. And maybe I'll start by saying I think it's one of the problems with what's happening or has been happening in the rural context for so long is that pastors view the rural landscape as something to be escaped rather than something to be embraced. Mm. And so, so often we see this high level of turnover in these small town churches. Uh, and some of it probably gets into, you know, some of the mainline denominational stuff and politics and things that, you know, maybe some pastors don't have a lot of control over. But still, I think there's that underlying mindset that says, I'm putting in my time, and as soon as I can, you know, earn my stripes, I'm getting out of here and I'm getting to a bigger place. And really what's, I think, behind even more than that is this fundamental belief that God doesn't do big things in small places. He He does big things in big places, so we want to get to those big places and see all of that. And my encouragement to rural pastors and small town pastors, which is a, a majority of the body of Christ, by the way, right. is this, that your ministry is valid and it's necessary and your leadership is so needed. And God is not like offended or put off by the small number on the population sign on the edge of your city or your town. Like he loves every one of those 800 people or 1200 people or 2,500 people, he, he shed his blood for them on the cross. And he's looking for some leaders, I believe, that are willing to go and invest a lifetime serving in that context without as much recognition possibly um, and, and without all of the resources. But yet God will do things far beyond your wildest dreams and imagination if he would just find some leaders that have that vision to believe that, you know what, God wants to do something significant. And and I'm not saying that God is going to use every small town pastor to build a megachurch in that small town. Like, let's just be real. In a town of 1,200 people, you're not going to have a 25,000-member church, right? <laughs> um, but God still is going to use you to have an eternal, significant impact in the lives of people uh, if, you'll, if you'll give yourself to that. So the cool thing is this, and here, let me connect it to multi-site, uh, because I'm not—I don't think— you know, every pastor should be multi-site. I definitely don't think that. Um, but I've had I've had people over the years tell me, I've had pastor friends of mine question, you know, John, did you, are you where you're supposed to be? Because if you went to a big city, you have the, you know, charisma and the leadership ability to build a big church. Like you could grow a big church in a big city. I've been told that. And believe me, there's moments where you kind of lean into that voice a little bit and think, yeah, what if I would have gone to, you know, Dallas or Miami or some cool place like that? Um, but here's what I love about multi-site is I believe that it allows for a pastor that has that ability to lead at a higher level, maybe to see beyond just the borders of that one small town and say, what does God want to do in this region? You know, what does God want to do in, in several towns over um, and it's going to require some strong leadership. And, and I, the cool thing is, is I've been networking more and more with rural pastors and small town pastors is I can tell you, God is raising up that team of people. He really is. And so to me, if the multi-site thing really lets me kind of have the best of both worlds. On, on one hand, I can kind of do ministry in that smaller context where God, I know he's called me to be. Um, but it also lets it kind of scratches that entrepreneurial itch to take the next hill, so to speak, you know, and in this case, it's not bringing a bunch of people under one roof. It's it's taking the church to multiple smaller communities. So it lights my fire. Um, it's just it just looks different. Yeah, no, I, I love that, John. And and uh, you mentioned a couple of times the word resources. And uh, I can only imagine uh, many, many pastors in rural settings. Resources is one of the 
one of the big challenges and one of probably the, the, the most enticing temptations of getting out of a rural setting and into, mm-hmm. you know, uh, someplace that's where there's, there are more resources available, um, whether it's financial resources, people resources, or just more things around that you can kind of help leverage to maximize ministry and reach more people for Jesus, right? So yeah. talk to me a little bit about resources. How have you managed those resources? What are what are the, the challenges that you found in that and, and maybe some of the opportunities that you've discovered over the years? Well, here's what I can say about resources. What I have learned and continue to learn is this. First of all, this is going to sound a little cliche, but it's true. I believe that you have to start by embracing that reality that if God has called you, he's going to provide, you know, that God provides where he guides. That's the cliche, right? And we all say that. Um, but then I can also tell you this. Here's the tension on the other side of that is anytime God gives you a vision that's really from him, you already can't afford it. And I don't care where, what context of ministry you're serving in. As I've rubbed shoulders with pastors of much larger churches and much larger cities, what I've come to realize is, guess what? They also struggle with limited resources. They just have a few more zeros behind those numbers um, than what I'm dealing with. But it starts with that fundamental belief that God is going to provide. And, and that's where the faith part comes in and, and where you really lean into that. There's been multiple times where I've just in prayer, reminded God, remember, this was your idea. I tried running from this, and this was this whole thing was on you. So yeah. like, you got to provide, right? <laughs> right. But then I believe that we have a responsibility as well. And so I would say this to a lot of pastors, especially in the smaller uh, church context, is you have to preach giving. And again, I know that that may start a that may start a riot out there in the church world, but. Um, I just really believe that we see that in Scripture, and and so often I think a lot of times when it, it comes to that moment in the worship service, you know, pastors apologize for that, and we kind of shy away from, oh, shucks, we have to take an offering. And, you know, I, I've kind of learned from, from other mentors that have taken the op- opposite approach and say, man, embrace that time and connect your the giving of God's people to vision. So don't get up and talk about, oh, we had a horrible offering last week, which was probably true. We probably did have a bad offering. (laughs) We had a snowstorm in South Dakota in April last week, right? So the offering sucked. But, But instead of getting up and complaining about how bad the offering was, get up and talk about the vision God has called you to and connect the giving of God's people to the vision of your church and help them see where that's going. And so I will say, even though we still struggle with with limited resources, I, I'm just going to brag on our church for a little bit and say, I believe we have above average giving. And part of that's because we teach that. We teach, you know, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and helping people get out of debt and, you know, change their life financially. And then the other part of that, that's our responsibility, is we also have to be as, as good of stewards as we can with what God does provide. And that's where sometimes creativity comes into play, where we can look around and see, you know, man, it'd be really cool if we had this light system and these fog machines that our big brothers are able to have in some of these larger contexts. But guess what? We don't have that in the budget. So how can we make an excellent environment for our worship service that doesn't have the cool lights and the fog machine? Can we still can we still make it excellent? And over the years, we've found the answer to be absolutely, because excellence is doing the very best you have with what God has given you to work with. And and if you get creative and apply the resources that you have to work with, it's amazing what you can do and how far you can stretch that. So 
Um, but it's a constant challenge. Like our back is constantly against the wall financially because we have a vision that's so much greater than what we can afford. And uh, we're, I'm reminded of that often. So if anyone wants to give, talk to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think it's a good thing um, for you to say that, you know, we've got a God-sized vision, which is much larger than than what we see as far as resources, whether that's, you know, offerings coming in or, or even volunteer, you know, people power, those types of things. Because if not, then then there's no no need for faith. You know, we, our people won't be stretched. We won't be stretched as pastors. So, so that's solid. Now, uh, one of the things you you just talked about there were uh, when it came to creativity. Um, I'd like to dig in just a little bit more on this idea of creativity. What are some of the ways? You know, can you give some kind of real world examples of where you guys have had to step back and say we want to, um, uh, you know, this idea of excellence. We want to, you know do the absolute best we can with what we have and and you've had to do something kind of creative. What are just some little short stories or examples of those times for you guys? You know, here's what I'll do. I'll point people to a resource and this is going to sound like a plug, but it's, it's a direct answer to your question on my, I have a website I call smalltownbigchurch.com and there's a, a tab for resources and this one's free. So I'm really not plugging much. It's a free resource. I did a little video a while back where I just, it's kind of a screencast where I show pictures over the years of how we've done different like stage sets and stage design ideas all on a very limited budget. And I just kind of like walk through, you know, here's what the set looked like and here was the, you know, materials that we used to make it. So maybe rather than taking a bunch of time in in this uh, interview to answer that, I might just point people to that resource and say, look, if you're struggling with, um, you know, with resources being an issue, just go look at some examples of, of what we've been able to do. And some of them, like I didn't even like, but it was a team of people that were, you know, doing it and they're being creative and we kind of give them freedom to run. And others, I'm like amazed at what we were able to come up with and how cool it looks, you know, when people walk in and they say, wow, um, I, I would say this, let me, I, I'll just take this in a slightly different direction because I want to speak for a moment to that small town pastor about why does this even matter? And I'll tell a story about a buddy of mine that pastors in rural Nebraska. And, you know, it's a very traditional church. They they never change anything on their stage, right? It's every single week. It always looks the same. And then this is kind of funny, kind of sad. He he wears the same plaid shirt every single week to preach. And so on their church's <laughs> like YouTube channel, like, you know, you get the little thumbnail picture with every video. Year after year, they all look the same. There's never any change. And so like... I would just push back on, on that pastor that's going, why are we even talking about designing our stage and doing different stuff with backdrop? You know, is there that even necessary? And to me, that's where I just want to kind of reach through the microphone and shake that pastor awake a little bit and go, man, like, you, this is what it looks like to have a rural mindset, you know, like, we got to we got to shake that up a little bit. So I know I'm not directly answering your question, but I can just tell you that basically anytime we want to do anything cool, um, we, we have to come to the drawing board and go, okay, this is what we want to do, but now how can we do it in our context? I'll, here's, I, here's one I will give you. This isn't about stage design. It's more of an event. We were dreaming about doing like an, some kind of an Easter egg you know, thing, and I, I wanted to take a, a page out of some of the playbooks of these bigger churches that are able to do like an Easter egg drop from a helicopter, right? Well, where are we going to find a helicopter in rural South Dakota? It's very easy just to, to answer right away and go, well, we can't afford that. Like, that's not possible. 
but when you have that as the culture of your team, you start to think, well, how can we do this? If that's the vision, if that's what we'd like to see happen, let's do it. And long story short, like we found one of the farmers in our church actually had a helicopter for their aerial, you know, application of, you know, spraying their crops. And we were able to make it work. Now, was it as awesome as a as a you know huge helicopter? I'm going to say yes, because we drew thousands of people, literally thousands of people from our region in, in all of the campuses that we were doing that event. I think we did it for about four different years. And and it's just an example where, OK, it might not be able to be done exactly how we'd love to do it. But if you get creative and look at the resources that you have we were able to pull it off and do it with excellence and drop, you know, I think the last year we, we dropped like 40,000 eggs or something like that from the sky. And it was just incredible. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not, but you're always going to be, you know, limited. So you got to get creative. That's all. No, that, that definitely answers the question, John. And, and even more than uh, just answering it, that's a great example and uh, just kind of heart behind it. And then we'll definitely link up to your blog, to that resource in the show notes for this episode, um, because I think that's even cooler than, than the two of us talking about it is for people to be able to see example, real life examples of how your church got creative and did some cool things. And uh, just as an encouragement and perhaps an inspiration, you know, even pastors able to share those, some of those photos and say, hey, this is another rural church, you know, with their team, their volunteers say, hey, this is another rural church. They're, they're out there doing it. Let's be creative. Let's think outside the box. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And at the very you know least, it might just make you feel a little bit better about where you're at because you may look at those pictures and go, oh, I thought we were struggling until I saw where these guys are. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just real. I'm just showing you like, this is our stage. This is what it looks like. So, so you'll quickly see, you know, I've had people reach out over the years and, hey, can we come and see what you're doing? And I'm absolutely, I'd love to, you know, give you a tour and show you around. But I always kind of say joking, not joking, like be prepared to be fully unimpressed, you know, when you get here. It's, it's small town, you know, it's rural setting, but we're doing the best we can with what we have to work with. So, yeah, check it out. That's awesome, brother. Great stuff. Now, let's um, let's move a little bit uh, from resources to structure, get, get kind of nuts and bolts. Um because I'm sure a lot of people are listening and have been, you know, hearing you talk about this idea of uh, multi-site in rural churches, rural communities. So what does that structure even look like for you? And, and one of the key components there I'm thinking is as far as um, leadership as well. So how, how are you structured as far as your actual campuses, you know, in, in different communities? How far away are they from, you know, where you, where you started, you know, there? Um, in, in your town in South Dakota? And then how do you provide leadership to those? You know, just kind of talk us through a little bit of that. So I'll, I'll kind of give a little background. When, when I came and planted this church with my wife and young kids back in 2004, we, we just came from a very traditional Baptist church. And, and I did not know like that bylaws and, you know, that kind of thing were important. It, it was never anything I had given any time or attention to. So uh, when we came out here, we just kind of copied and pasted our sending churches, you know, documents, their bylaws and that sort of thing. And and essentially, we we effectively had a congregationally led style of church governance. And I'm not going to poke around too hard here and, and cause another riot in the, the body of Christ because there's a lot of debate over this. But what I learned from a lot of pastors that lead larger churches, um, what they were able to teach me is that, hey, look, we're not structured that way in terms of a, our leadership is not a congregationally led model where the congregation gets together and votes and is ruled by, you know, Robert's Rules of Order and, you know, committees and quorums and all of that stuff. 
And so um, as I was learning that, about the same time, we were starting to kind of follow this vision into multi-site. And what we did back in 2011 was I really used our vision to hold that up almost as a shield to say, hey, look, church, we need to probably rethink our, our bylaws. And I'll just make a long story very short by saying that our church took a unanimous vote uh, and adopted a set of a new set of bylaws that effectively did away with our congregationally led form of church governance and and established more of a pastor led staff led set of bylaws. Now, is that required to be multi site? Probably not. Um, but I just really held that up and said, you know, man, if we're going to be spread out over multiple distances, you know, how how is this going to work? Following our current bylaws to bring all of our church together and vote on you know, land purchases and staff hires and all of the things that our old bylaws called for. So I know that, you know, a lot of pastors may wonder, man, how do you get that done in a unanimous way? And we could talk more about that. But to simplify it to say, we, our our bylaws are set up in such a way that I'm the lead pastor and I have a leadership team around me and I have a staff that serves uh, alongside of me and most of our church decisions are made at those levels, at the staff level and at the leadership team level. We no longer have any need to like get together and vote on everything, you know, as a church. So in terms of how our actual multi-site portion of it is structured, um, again, my title is kind of that of lead pastor. And ideally, what we'd love to have is a campus pastor in every one of our locations. That's really our goal that when we launch a new site, we have a, you know, kind of what we would call the traditional campus pastor model, if there is such thing as a traditional campus pastor role. But he's that face of the place. He's that person that really brings the shepherding and the, you know, the organization, the administration of that local campus. Um, my role as the lead pastor is I do, you know, the the, the feeding and the the leading Piece. So most of the communication comes from me. Now, over the years, we've we've modified that to where, like, if we have campus pastors that really feel like they're called to preach, and if we recognize that call in them and and really see that they're gifted at that, then we allow our campus pastors to preach as well. Uh, we all preach the same message, but we've got some campus pastors that really that's not their gift. That's not what they seek to do. And then, and so in those cases, like we're a video venue in, you know, as far as the the message portion goes in those sites. You asked about, you know, where and how far apart our campuses are. So we've got one in Flandreau and uh, then about 20 miles away, we have another one in a little town of 600 people. That uh, town is called Coleman, South Dakota. We had one 30 miles south of us in a town called Garretson, and we planted that campus. And then here last fall, we spun that off as its own independent church under the leadership of the uh, the campus pastor who planted it. The The story there, he basically came to our leadership and said, you know, I really feel like God's calling me to that senior pastor role. Would the rescue church consider letting me pastor this group of people? And so, you know, we prayed about that and just decided that the healthiest decision there would be to release that entire campus as its own church under his leadership. So we kind of view that as a church plant, you know, where we use multi-site to ultimately get a, a self-supporting independent church off the ground in that community. So that's no longer uh, under our umbrella. We have a campus down in Peoria, Illinois. So that's quite a ways away. It's a deaf 
campus. And that's a long story worth a few cups of coffee, how that came to be. Again, I never set out to see that be be part of our story, but it, it all points back to God writing way bigger stories than we ever could. And then we have another campus all the way down in Jamaica, uh, the country of Jamaica. And again, another God story of how that came to be. Um, but we're in a little rural village about an hour outside of Montego Bay. And um, and then just as, as we speak, like literally today, right before this interview, I just got back from um, meeting with a team up in Brookings, South Dakota. It's a little bit bigger town, and that's all relative because for us, it's a town of 20,000 people and they have like stoplights and restaurants. So like for <laughs> us, it's big time, right? Nice. And we're, uh, with this Sunday, we're, we're kicking off a worship service up there that uh, Lord willing will blossom into a campus in that little bit larger town. And so we're excited about that. And so those are our physical locations. And then we've got also our online, uh, our inter- internet campus or iCampus as we call it. So I know I just threw a lot at you there. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, but that's, you yeah, know, that's how we're set up. That's awesome, brother. That's, and what I love is um, you're like all in, like um, with this whole thing about you know, Jesus said go and make disciples. So we're just gonna do that, whatever that kind of looks like. However God leads, He opens a door in Jamaica. Hey, we're in. Let's do it. You know, and the fact that you're you know multiple campus, but you're also planting churches, and you know, I mean, you're you're kind of doing it all. And I I think that's super refreshing. Because it sounds like your journey has been, uh, you know, primarily a, a journey of just courageous obedience, right? So it's like as God guides and directs, you you guys are just walking with Him. You know, what I mean, you're 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 being obedient to how He's directing things, which is cool because it gives you, you know, kind of that freedom. Uh, you know, since you're telling your story, you know, nothing is is kind of cookie cuttered from one place to the other. You know what I mean? So like everything has, you know, has kind of that unique characteristic. There's there's a common bond you can tell, you know, through your leadership, your leadership team and just, you know, the heart and the spirit of what God is doing. But it's not like, you know, there's there's just seems to be this freedom about how you guys are, you know, tackling, you know, the, the Great Commission. Right. Yeah. Well, we're trying to keep it loose. And I love that word you just use courageous obedience. I would, I would definitely not uh, give myself that label just yet, but maybe someday on my tombstone, if, if the story ends that way, that would be a really cool summary of, you know, of our story and, and leadership is just that we were courageous to obey God. I promise we've not done it perfectly. And I promise that we don't really know what we're doing. We're kind of just rolling with the punches. And I mean, we do have an idea and a plan, but Again, we just, I've come to learn that, you know, God just writes way bigger, cooler stories than we do. So when we get too rigid in our thought of what the future is going to look like, I think we might be, you know, cutting God out of the picture a little bit. Just all I know is he's called us to make a real impact and he's given me enough of a vision for the future to kind of know what direction we need to be going. But in terms of all the details, man, as I look back over our shoulder, um, I just, I never would have seen all of this happen. And you know, I can give you another little wrinkle that that got through into this. Um, you know, for me, it was a really big decision years ago to leave the fire service and and to go into ministry. Um, I felt like that was a huge sacrifice to leave a job that so many people are lined up waiting to get, you know, working as a firefighter. And uh, long story short, a few years ago, God opened up another door of opportunity for me to to enter back into that world. Uh, for the city of Sioux Falls. So now, and again, that's a long story that we could drill down into, but 
just where God invited me to step back into something on a full-time deal. So now in addition to being a full-time pastor for the last almost three years now, I've been back in that world as well, working as a full-time firefighter for the city of Sioux Falls. And it's like just this incredible thing where God, you know, it's that Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I have just found that to be so true time and again, that when you step out in obedience and you let God have that room to work, it first he'll change your heart and make you want the things that he wants. And then once you want them, he gives them to you. It's incredible how it works that way. So we're truly just living an adventure. I really don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know, and if any small town or rural pastor is listening to this, and if I could just get you to believe one thing, it's that God really does want to write a big story with your life if you'll just believe him for that and then be willing to follow when he invites you to step out of the boat and walk on water with him. So get after it. I love that, brother. That's so good. Um, and I think that's that's great, uh, you know, kind of some final words of encouragement to those pastors who are listening and in your whole story and just your, your demeanor, your, your humility, brother, I, I, I so appreciate, love it. And just uh, how you've let God do what God wants to do and you and your team and your church and your leadership. Uh, it sounds like you've been uh, very blessed. I know that there are all kinds of challenges I'm sure that we could talk about and there are, you know, probably some lost sleep here and there and some things that, you know, as, as we all in ministry have to face, have to face, but just, uh, uh, overall, just um, it's it's super encouraging to hear just your heart in the midst of all this, and just really how God has been at work. So uh, it's just great stuff, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we appreciate having you here on the Church Leaders Podcast. And um, as I mentioned, we'll link up to uh, to your blog, to those resources you mentioned, those types of things through the show notes. But if if people want to connect with you, John, other ways through social media or, you know, how, how could they uh, kind of connect with you a little more? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and, and on Twitter. Facebook is probably the big one. Really, I guess if if uh, if I could plug this one, uh, really the best place to connect with me would yeah. be on Facebook at the Small Town Big Church Network. It's a closed group or a private group, however you say that. But I, for the last three years, I've done a podcast called the Small Town Big Church Podcast, and really the stuff we're talking about here is is what I drill down into every week, either sharing stuff that I have learned or am still learning uh, about rural ministry or sharing other stories of success from around th- that rural landscape. That's really what you can find if you listen to that podcast. And then that Facebook group is just a place for small town and rural church pastors and church leaders to connect and you know, encourage one another, share ideas, ask questions, complain about our church people, that kind of thing. Actually, we don't do too much of that, but you know, just, <laughs> it's a great place to connect. So if people want to connect with me, I'd say look me up in that group on Facebook is probably where we're going to have the most amount of interaction. But uh, if you want to email me, it's john at smalltownbigchurch.com. Um, yeah, and you can put some of those links in the show notes, and I'd be happy to answer questions or you know, support you, encourage you in any way that I can. Awesome, brother. Yeah, we'll definitely get those links out, and I'm um, super excited. Thank you for making yourself available, and uh, just for being with us today. Great, great stuff. Uh, it's exciting to see. I'm excited to see how God continues to write that great big story and how you, you and your team live into it. So thank you for being with us, John. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. 
So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.